Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Rent Radio here, August 31st, 2023, last day of the summer season, and we have no shortage of topics to get to here today on WrestleRant Radio. Mr. Marceau coming on back. The man's basically got his sleeping bag in his car at this point, always on the road, always working, always grinding. Mr. Marceau, brother, welcome back. What's going on? I'm doing pretty well, I guess. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm glad to have you back. Uh, we did not chat last week. You were busy, but uh, a perfect week. I guess, to be back, a lot to discuss, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, obviously, another passing in the wrestling world, actually, wait, did we, I think we did talk last week, didn't we, or no, we did, we did, yeah, we right? Talked before, we talked last week, but we talked before, yeah, we talked like last, yeah, we talked last week. Okay, I was going to say, because Terry Funk passed away last week, and I remember we us talked talking about, about that. that, yes, we did, I think it was the week before that, that you missed, that's what I think it was, man, I, I can't keep my schedule straight here. Uh, and I literally said on the show last week in regards to, I think, the Punk thing, or no, it was the Edge thing. I said, you know, news always breaks after we get done, blah, blah, blah. I was in the process of editing the show uh, last week and about to put it up, Bray Wyatt passes away. And actually, I found out from you, uh, you, you told me within minutes of it, the news breaking on X, formerly known as Twitter. That's how you're supposed to talk about it now. I'm just going to call it fucking Twitter. But um, you, you told me, and I was stunned, but... Uh, one of those things where we've had to wait a week to talk about it. I've addressed it elsewhere, but we'll kind of get into it here today. Uh, massive news in the world of wrestling and a, a super tragic loss, obviously. But in addition to that, um, all the CM Punk drama from AEW from the past week, specifically stemming from the incident backstage at All In, the biggest wrestling show of all time is what they build it as, and attendance-wise it was, and then it kind of gets overshadowed in the days that followed by this dumb CM Punk, Jack Perry drama and CM Punk suspended, Jack Perry suspended, is Punk done to the AEW? We had this, I feel like it's deja vu, we've had this conversation many times before, specifically almost exactly one year ago, coming out of All Out uh, 2022. So we'll get into it, where we are, full circle a year later. Uh, speaking of All In, we'll review All In and also preview All Out for this coming weekend, and payback for Saturday. So like I said, lots to get into. It does not feel like a pay-per-view weekend. Um, last weekend did with All In that Sunday, it does not feel like a pay-per-view weekend this weekend, despite there being two pay-per-views, which is not a rare thing. I think the last time that happened was, I think, not too long ago, but it might have been before that, though. I'm thinking of All Out last year with um, Clash of the Castle and All Out, and uh, just neither of these shows coming up this weekend feel like they're must-see by any means. I mean, I know there's two shows going on, but I just feel like the build for... I mean, even Payback, I don't know. I feel like Payback, I feel like they both feel like glorified Raws or Dynamites, honestly. It really does, especially that all-out card and the payback card I'm looking forward to as well. I'm looking forward to both shows, and I'm sure they're going to be sleeper shows and that I'm not overly anticipating them or whatever. But it is 
interesting that for the first time in a while, uh, we do not have any bloodline involvement on the show at all. And even the shows that Roman Reigns was not wrestling on earlier this year, which is not most of them. He was on most pay-per-views this year for everyone saying, you know, he doesn't work at all. He doesn't defend his championship, which he fucking doesn't. But he hasn't, he's been on most pay-per-views. I think the only pay-per-view he's missed, if I'm not mistaken, was Backlash. And even that one had a bloodline match on it. Unless something gets added on SmackDown this week, which is going to feature the return of Jimmy Uso. Maybe they were going to set something up last week before the tribute show happened, and they had to bump it this week. I don't think so. It's only a six-match card as of right now, and they don't typically go beyond that. So, uh, But between that and the AEW World Championship not being defended on Sunday just does not feel like a pay-per-view weekend, but we'll get to those pay-per-views nonetheless. Uh, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week here on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Tune in radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week here on the feed. Uh, let's get into the most obvious news, Mr. Uh, first, Mr. Marceau. The passing of Bray Wyatt happening a week ago. Uh, still feels surreal, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I know we've had tributes up and down, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. All the wrestling companies mentioning it at the beginning, beginning of their shows this week. Tributes. All across social media for the past seven days, still has not completely sunk in. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't even really know where to start. I talked about it a bit yesterday and wrestle, not on, on hashtag rather. Uh, I honestly don't really even know where to start. I guess just beyond your initial reaction of uh, just shock and sadness. I guess a week ago when you found out and you told me soon after. Yeah, um, I just literally happened. I down. I was just sitting. I just happened to go on on Twitter and so I literally the first thing that popped up was the was the Triple H tweet and I was like, what the fuck? And I just was like, I, I gotta text Graham. Like I literally that's the first thing I thought of. I'm like I have to text Graham, and I just was stunned sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck? And just like I literally sat there probably for 20 minutes after I texted. He was like, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. And it literally just like stunned me. Yeah, I mean, I was not watching wrestling. I texted this, but I think he was, and as other people have said, I was not watching when uh, the Benoit thing happened, obviously, or when the Eddie Guerrero thing happened. And then the, I think the Eddie one is more relatable because the Benoit one, I mean, I would say it's a similar situation where it was someone on the active roster and how do they pass away, but then that shock kind of goes, I mean, it was still shocking, obviously, but like the sadness in that we felt from the Wyatt pass and kind of went away immediately with the Benoit one, I would imagine, when it came out less than 24 hours later, what had actually happened. Whereas with Eddie Guerrero was the one where they had the full-on in-person tribute show, and again, he was active on the roster, a beloved member of the roster. That wasn't due to suspicious circumstances, like with the Benoit one, obviously, where it was flat-out confirmed what had happened there. Uh... Very similar to that, and that was almost 20 years ago. And again, I wasn't a fan for that, so this was like my first time experiencing where we had someone on the active roster. And again, I know like that we had the Warrior one a decade ago where he was on Raw less than 24 hours earlier. Um, but this is someone that was hasn't been on the show since earlier this year. But I think the bigger thing is that he was only 36. Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, passing away at 36, uh, came out. A little bit later on from Fightful that it was due to heart complications. He had COVID earlier this year. Uh, that exacerbated was the word used. Uh, some heart complications. I think he probably already had. They didn't weren't too specific, but it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and that was what kind of caused his passing. And he had a heart attack and he died on Thursday of last week. And then TMZ had come out 
which I don't typically I'm not a fan of when they kind of give extra details, but it is kind of pertinent in this situation. They had mentioned that uh, he had been uh, given a heart defibrillator by his, uh, he had been uh, prescribed or whatever the word would be by his doctors around that same time, around, you know, this time actually. And he was due for a checkup, I think last week actually. And he didn't have his defibrillator on. It was actually in his car. Um, he didn't have it on him at the time of his heart attack. Would it have saved him? We don't know and we'll never know. Uh, you know, people shouldn't be, you know, passing blame for like, oh, if he had worn it, it would have saved his life. Why wasn't he wearing it? I mean, that's not really important now, obviously. It's just more about uh, being there for the family and whatnot. Obviously, he was uh, soon to be married. He's been dating JoJo, former WWE ring announcer for a long time now. Uh, member of the WWE family. They have, I think, I want to say four kids together, but two of them were theirs, and I think two of them were Wyatt's from a previous marriage. Uh, just uh, super sad. I mean, all the way around. Again, I'm not even really sure what else to say beyond that. I mean, the whole thing was just tragic. And I mean, again, it's still not even really sunk in a week later. Obviously, he was uh, you know, a beloved favorite of so many, including Alexis, obviously. And she hasn't really completely fully... Uh, I don't know what the word is, but... Uh, you know, had it sunk in yet, even seven days later. But I guess the timing of it was, uh, you know, with SmackDown the next day, it was a tough watch. I know you had mentioned when I texted you last week that you would not watch it yet. Did you end up going to watch SmackDown last week when you had a chance? Or you yeah, didn't? when I got home, I had to work Friday night, so when I got home, I watched it. Mm -hmm. What What would you think, or how'd you? Uh... It, it was tough. I mean, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> That's yeah. the best way to describe it. It was yeah. tough. I mean. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, just, just a crazy circumstance, and, I mean, like I said, 36 years old, was about to get married, young kids, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like, literally heartbreaking, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this stuff, you can't really fully fathom that this stuff is, uh, you can't really completely comprehend that it's actually happened and that it's real. And even watching this sort of stuff, a tribute show for someone that was only 36. Again, they've done tribute shows before for a lot of other people, legends that have passed away. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Jay Briscoe passing from earlier this year. And that, again, it was a complete, just a freak thing. I know why it's been gone for a long time. And, and I know, you know, he had, we knew he had some heart, not heart issues specifically, but we knew he had some health issues that weren't injury related because uh, that had come out a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, you know, it's it's wrestling. They always come back and they're... You know, we hear careers are over, and then they're not, and, you know, they always come back. I mean, it's not really um, feasible. It's not even just believable that something like this would happen until it does. Uh, it, it was tough. I had to actually watch the show. If I had sat there and watched the show by myself, because I was camping last weekend, as you know, I probably would have been a fucking wreck. But I had to watch it in between doing other stuff and being with other people, because it just would have been, it would have been a rough watch otherwise. Between the video package, which I thought was amazing, and they replayed that on all the shows this week, the 10 Bell Salute, also for Terry Funk, which I thought was a nice touch, because uh, he was among the greatest of all time as well, and the rocking chair in the ring, uh, they had Rowan and Strowman there for it, I mean, that was that was tough, and then they also closed out the show with like the fireflies and the lantern in the ring on Raw, they had the rocking chair, I mean, I, I mean that was just... I don't know, it was beautifully done, but you never want to have these situations where that stuff even has to happen, you know? So, I mean, I thought they did an incredible job with it, all things considered. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, even the promos, like the LA Knight, the run at the end, mm -hmm. fuck, that got me good, and I was like, oh. Like you said, it, it, it was done beautifully, you just never want to see something like this, but 
for what they did, like, yeah, like Cody's speech about about Terry Funk was good as well. Uh, Rollins, I saw on social media after a house show was good. Becky's words after Raw, I mean, the thing they posted yesterday was was heart wrenching. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's tough. Yeah, I watched that whole thing as well. For anyone who hasn't, they only posted yesterday on social media and on YouTube. It was a 35-minute tribute from various members of the roster just kind of sitting down. I imagine they just... I mean, so the, the Good Brothers had mentioned, oh, it only just happened yesterday. So I imagine it, it was taped at SmackDown. Maybe maybe Summit Raw, too, but it seemed like it was taped at SmackDown because a lot of people were at SmackDown during the uh, tribute last Friday. They had flown people in last minute. But it was several superstars from the current roster sitting down just to share their thoughts, memories, and uh, everything of uh, you know of Wyndham and working with him and just him as a person. They got Bailey in there. Like I said, the Good Brothers were in there. Drew McIntyre's was tough. He posted the whole thing. Drew McIntyre's, I think I shed a tear. I definitely did. I'll tell you that right now. I I didn't maybe. I died 100,000% did. Him and um, Otis's was tough, too. Otis was talking about, yeah, I don't really... It's hard to deal with death for me. I mean, Sami Zayn was just in complete disbelief, and I loved his honesty when he was like, you know, I I feel like I just run away from these type of things because I don't even want to believe that they're real. Uh, between yeah. Wyndham and family members, and Otis had mentioned that he had lost the sister, which I think was news to everyone watching that, I would imagine. And I, you know, we've had, we actually just saw Otis a couple of weeks ago at that SummerSlam media junket, and every time I've interacted with him at one of those things, this I mean, I've actually never met him in person until this year. I've met him like three times. He's always in character, and he's always like super upbeat, so to see him with that kind of uh, tone in his voice, just completely... Down to earth, and he's always awesome. But just, uh, just with that kind of grief tone that he was speaking with, was uh, it, it hit it hit me hard. That one and um, Mike Romes was good. You know who else got me? And I'm sure it did for you if you watched the whole thing. Byron Saxton's at the end, because um, he knew Wyndham very well from their days in FCW. I I think they saved his for the end for a reason because he was like he really broke down there, as did Drew. But especially Byron, he kind of had trouble speaking through his thing because he was crying towards the end. And they closed it out with uh, um, Samantha What'd you say? Samantha Irvin. Yeah, Samantha Irvin's uh, singing tribute to the... uh, He's got the whole world in his hands. Which that was incredibly well done. They've done a lot of those sort of tributes on social media, including posting full matches and moments and promos over the course of his career, celebrating the life and legacy of uh, Bray Wyatt Wyndham, which is... uh, you know, kind of the best way to, I don't want to say get your mind off of it, but like just kind of, uh, you know, focus on the positive and not so much on the fact that he's gone. But speaking of which, we'll do the exact same thing here. I had done this yesterday in hashtag, but I'll kind of repeat what I said yesterday. I won't go first because, again, like I said, I've already shared this elsewhere before, so I'll start with <laughs> I'll start with you per usual. Uh, just kind of talking about Bray Wyatt because I know he was among your favorites as well, you know, through the ups and the downs of uh, their handling of him, hardly his fault. I mean, I would say through this most recent run, it's also been a lot of the same thing where it was some great moments and some not-so-great moments. His creativity kind of going a little, I don't want to say too far, but you know, kind of the best of what he was doing at certain points, if he had anything even to do with that, but that's not even really the point anyway. That's not even what we're really here to discuss. The fact that we even had the chance to see him come back, I think was what really... Uh, makes me happy more than anything that for him to have that opportunity to, for not only us fans to see him back in the company, but also for him to be able to see his co-workers again and work with them. It didn't last long. He was only specifically back in WWE, like on TV, backstage of the shows, for only about five months, from October through March, and then he disappeared from the show. 
Um, only one televised match with LA Knight, but he was all over the shows. And again, we were at a lot of shows this past year, and we were there for a lot of those Bray Wyatt moments. I was there when he came back at Extreme Rules, but I mean, the SmackDown that you and I had gone to with, um, was it your dad? No, it was with Molly. It was with Molly and Alexis. I, yeah, he was at that show, I'm pretty sure, too, in Providence. I think he was at that show doing something. Um, he was on that episode of SmackDown. He was on the SmackDown that I was at a week before that in Hartford. He was at the one that you and I went to in Montreal, and I think I tweeted this, but I think that was his last in-person appearance on a SmackDown. I completely forgot about this until um, I was reminded on Twitter, but we were actually at his last on-air appearance. I mean, he was on SmackDown after that, but he was doing like the Firefly Funhouse stuff with Bobby Lashley, and he never appeared in person. It was all video package stuff. The SmackDown that we were at the day before um, Elimination, Chamber. yeah, Elimination Chamber, he uh, did the Hit Row thing, which again I completely forgot about, where he and Uncle Howdy came out and interrupted them. So cool to have been there for that and experienced the new Bray Wyatt character and uh, entrance and whatever. And I think I actually, I think we stayed around, we stuck around you and I for the Bray Wyatt match, which it was the same match he had a week earlier when he faced L.A. Knight after SmackDown, because I was there for that, too. Um, but he had a match with L.A. Knight after the show went off the air in uh, in Montreal, and it was awesome. So, anyway, uh, just, uh, again, being one of your favorites, uh, I know this obviously hits us all hard, but, you know, he was one of those people that, when I first met you, he was among your favorites as well, 10 years ago, almost exactly, which is crazy to think about. And uh, just having an incredible run from when he first started, even his Husky Harris before that, and, Everything through he accomplished, former WWE champion, tag team champion, several times over, um, up until his recent return. Give me your favorite Bray Wyatt moments and matches, moments and memories from the last 10 years. Jesus. Um, I mean, honestly, like when he first debuted, like basically once he got on the main roster, it was like the buzzard character, or like the, the swamp dweller, like literally it was like really got me into him. I feel like it was something... Completely new that we'd never really seen before, and, like, him with Rowan and Harper, it just, like, clicked, and he just, I don't know, like, that was, like, I feel like that was my favorite run of him, um, leading into WrestleMania 30, should have beat John Cena, but we'll, we'll just gloss past that, because we do every time, um, but I feel like that was my favorite incarnation of Wyatt, I mean, obviously, like, the Firefly, Farnhouse, the Fiend, wasn't overly a fan of it, but, I mean, still was something different and new and i just i i do i do wish he kind of had, had gone back to the the swamp character but i obviously understand with with harper passing he didn't want to do that but i mean i think like you said just even though like they had brian in the wire family i kind of like pushed brian up the card and that was when he was getting his popularity they're matched with the shield um the match at WrestleMania 33 against Randy Orange. Just kidding, that match was terrible. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I think everything like leading up to that point, I just was my favorite part of what he was doing. He said the recent stuff, like he was gonna be normal. Then it was the Firefly Funhouse, and they kind of did the whole new character before he was off TV. Um, I don't know if that was a creative thing, his thing. I don't know. We never really got a full scope because like it was he came back and he was going to be like bray wyatt and then he was kind of doing like the uncle howdy stuff with him going back to firefly funhouse and it was kind of all over the place so i kind of really wish i knew what was going on because the last time we had saw him 
or wrestle, I guess, at the Royal Rumble. He like had that new mask, and Uncle Howdy was on his side, and we really didn't know what was going on. Um, but I think just seeing him come back just in general was good because, I mean, even when he first re- originally got released, like we were stunned. I mean, yeah, I feel like they had so much more like longevity, and I feel like he could have done more. I just I don't know if it's just the character itself. There's just so many different intertwined different things that I don't know what happened, but. I just think once he kind of went away from the Swamp character, like, even when, like, he was facing, like, the Undertaker, like, once he lost to him, I feel like his momentum kind of, like, went away, and it not killed his career, per se, but I just feel like he was a different character, and, like, he was doing more hocus-pocus stuff, and would never win when it mattered most. I mean, like, he did win uh the WWE championship but like, i feel like that was a quick afterthought like i said that match against Randy Orton was not overly amazing and then he did have the the universal championship with as the fiend but then got beat by goldberg so i mean i think his beginning was great the middle was amp but the ending was like kind of a feel good moment that he was finally back and just unfortunately ended too soon yeah, no, I mean, he could have accomplished so much more. It, it really is hard to uh, kind of conceive, like I had said, he had debuted on the main roster 10 years ago this summer. And even before that, he was in the company for years. I mean, he had been in FCW mm, maybe 08, maybe maybe 07, but I'm thinking 08, 09. You could probably look it up, but he, he probably signed around that point because he went to NXT on that awful rendition of the show when it was still a competition show. I literally love that first season. <laughs> I don't think it was the first season. I think he was on the second season. If you go uh, back, it's a fucking trip. He signed in 09. 09, okay. That makes sense. So he he was with the company for a long time, um, debuting in 2010 on TV with as Husky Harris, as I mentioned earlier. He joined the new Nexus. I remember I, I, I had seen Wade Barrett's uh, tribute to Bray on, on, on social media last week, and obviously everyone knew him and everyone kind of came up in the company with him. But, you know, someone like Wade specifically worked with him a lot in FCW, which I didn't even really realize. Drew McIntyre, too, because I think his fans would kind of think, oh, you know, this guy worked with him for a long time, so they obviously have the fondest memories. But no, there's also a lot of people that never worked with him once on TV. I don't think Drew and Brew, Brew, Drew and Bray had a single match, but they were extremely close friends, according to uh, what Drew said in that tribute yesterday that dropped. So, uh, yeah, he was there for a long time, and he was there as Husky Harris. He did the Nexus thing. He got kicked in the head by Randy Orton. A lot of Randy Orton involvement over the course of his career. Between that and um, the 2017 feud, I had said this yesterday in, in, in my hashtag video, and I think this is honestly an, an incredibly underrated period of his career, but when he was with the Wyatt family, Randy Orton was, and they were doing that whole little thing with him, Harper, and Orton from late 2016, early 2017, that might that was probably one of the best parts of the Bray Wyatt career and character like they were booking him consistently to win he was over they had great chemistry Orton had felt fresher than he had in a long time uh they won the tag titles together for only a couple of weeks it was incredibly short-lived but they had a great run together a really really good run together um and then like you said it culminated in that terrible match at Wrestlemania (laughs) but um you know listen he did get to win the WWE championship multiple times the two universal title reigns were uh not great because when he won it the second when he won the universal title the first time it was in Saudi Arabia and then he lost in Saudi Arabia too, but it was after he'd already lost that Hell in the Cell match and I don't blame him for that it seemed like whatever they had planned 
seemed to be just completely nixed by Vince McMahon, and then the, whatever they were given to do instead was just awful, obviously. Uh, but he was champion for a few months there. He won the belt for a second time in 2020, held it for a week. I mean, as I mean, literally yesterday, Roman Reigns marked that marked three years of Roman Reigns as champion. He beat Bray Wyatt for it in that triple threat. Never pinned Bray, but he beat him for the title technically. Bray is still technically, even in passing, the former Universal Champion, which is kind of you talk about. Oh, like what people? I saw people saying, "Oh, what's changed since Roman Reigns has been champion?" I mean, the guy that held it previously is no longer here. I mean, that only happened last week, but it's just kind of crazy to think about. People kind of forget about that. But like the Wyatt family stuff with Orton was amazing. That original Wyatt family character was great, like you mentioned. That was definitely, I think, the peak of his run. Because you have to remember, too, not only as far as the character he felt fresh, but, like, the Brian feud was great. That angle on Raw where Brian broke away from the Wyatt family was amazing. And they had that steel cage moment on Raw. One of the best Raw moments, I think, of all time. And then they followed it up with the Royal Rumble match. The match at the Rumble, which was probably his best match ever. And then the Shield match, which was his best tag team match ever at Elimination Chamber. I mean, it doesn't get much hotter than that. And I texted you, I think, when you were at Mania 30, 30 itself in uh, in New Orleans. He comes down, has that entrance. It's like, wow, this guy's a star. And then he loses to John Cena about 20 minutes later. And that was kind of it. It was all downhill from there, but not his fault. Um, what, what would you say was his best match? I mean, the Randy Orton matches were just not great. They had another match in Mania 37. He lost to Orton twice in Mania, which is kind of hard to imagine because both matches sucked, and I just can't imagine he lost both times. But uh, wh- what would you say is your favorite Bray Wyatt match from his WWE run? It was the one versus Brian at Royal Rumble. It's got to be, right? Yeah. That's like easy. Like, literally, can't even, I can't even think of another one that's as good. Like I said, that lim- the Elimination Chamber one, like the tag with the with the shield was really good. But like singles-wise, the one against Brian is easily my favorite one. I think he won clean. Too. I'd have to go back and watch it. I'm pretty sure he won clean, too. So, I don't know. It's crazy, too, because Brian was at, not the peak, but he was pretty goddamn popular even at that point, and he lost. And I think a lot of people expected him to win, and he didn't. And Bray won, and he kind of kicked off his feud with John Cena that night. I think they opened the show, too, if I'm not mistaken, but i got to go back and watch. That was a great match. Um, but, yeah, I didn't do a whole lot of note from that point forward, but, you know, some, some honorable mentions. The Matt Hardy tag team, I enjoyed that whole thing went on for a while, but, you know, they had the ultimate deletion thing, a lot of people never thought we would ever get the Bray Wyatt and, and Broken, Woken, Matt Hardy characters together, and they actually did do it in 2018, it wasn't, didn't live up to its full potential, but I personally thoroughly enjoyed it, um, you know, that whole thing, you know, I, I mentioned before, but that one moment on Raw that a lot of people gif, like, I feel like I see it almost every other day on Twitter, where he teamed with Roman, and Roman did the gun motion with his fingers and shot at a Sheamus, and Roman speared him. Or, I'm sorry, Bray Bray was pinning Del Rio, I think, and then Roman speared Sheamus. Just fucking awesome. Like, that was the epitome of cool right there. And then, of course, Bray got hurt like a week later, so never really went anywhere, but that was sick. Uh, you have that, the Shield match, the Shield stuff we mentioned, that winning the WWE Championship in 2017... Not even just because he won, but one of the best chamber matches, period. Fantastic match. Um, And then two matches that still stand out to me all these years later. The Firefly Funhouse match at a time where COVID had just kind of gotten gotten started and there's not a lot of replay value from those early pandemic shows, Thunderdome shows. Firefly Funhouse was something special as far as what they were able to accomplish there and what they were able to do. Uh, Him and John Cena at Mania 36. And uh, just a, a, a great little thing they kind of put together there and it was 
the best cinematic thing they had done during that period, including, um, you know, in addition to the Boneyard match from that same WrestleMania. But everything with The Fiend as well. I mean, The Fiend stuff, again, had its ups and downs, and they really tried to kill The Fiend character. But when he first reinvented himself with The Fiend stuff and the Firefly Funhouse stuff, I mean, I think it was truly revolutionary in terms of the entrance he had and the character he was able to create. Um, I think people forget how truly game-changing that character was when it first came out in 2019. I've seen, from, I've heard from a lot of people that was able to kind of get them back into the wrestling scene after just a lot of years of just fucking nothingness. Uh, that Fiend stuff was awesome. And uh, it, it's it's hard to imagine that someone as uh, creative and as game-changing and as, I don't, I don't know if revolutionary is the right word, but uh, someone as uh, brilliant of a mind as Bray Wyatt, it's just, he's, he's no longer on this earth. It's just kind of hard to conceive, you know? Yeah, no, it's crazy. The, the legacy speaks for itself, but like I said, even more importantly than that, as a person, seemed to be an amazing person. I only had one interaction with him in person. I can't even imagine how... Uh, the people who work with him and are obviously friends and family of the Rotundas are feeling. His brother, Bo, obviously, was back in the company working with Bray, his uncle Howdy, um, his father. It's just, uh, you know, it's terrible. So thoughts, prayers, condolences go out to the Rotunda family. And uh, we will miss you, Bray. We love you very much. So kind of moving on from there. You know, everything else just kind of seems insignificant in comparison. So it's even dumb to, to discuss, like, the wrestling stuff. But... Uh, we do have a show to get through here. Just wanted to touch upon this, the CM Punk bullshit. I mean, there's really not much more that we can say that hasn't been said already, but just a general gist of what we're kind of dealing with here. Um, AEW having a great all-in show on Sunday, overshadowed, to me anyway, with the um, uh, CM Punk drama that happened backstage with Jack Perry. I mean, like you said, everything else is kind of secondary to the whole Bray stuff. But, I mean, for Tony Khan, you, I mean... You get, you have to be pissed. I mean, this is literally, like you said, the most sold-out, sold-show, biggest attendance, whatever you want to call it, ever. And it just, I like I said, like, I, it's, I don't know, like, this. both people are to blame. I mean, I just, it's just like, I feel like Perry just, like, I, I think he's the, the bigger problem. Like, he, like, why did he have to do that? Like, he knew Punk was there. Like, he knew it was going to cause a reaction, like, you're in a fucking dark match on the biggest show ever. Like, shut the fuck up and just wrestle. I just, it's one thing for me. Like, I people like be like, oh, Punk's over over exaggerating, which I think he was a little. He, but like, we know that's him. Like, that's how he is. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know why you poke the bear when it's not going to end well for you. And I just, like I said, I thought it was a good show, and it literally got overshadowed by by this. And that's all people were talking about after. No one was talking about the show. Everyone was talking about. Punk and Jack Perry, and now he's not going to be at the Chicago show. I'd be fucking rip shit buy tickets to go to the show this weekend, and he's not going to be there. I think it's pretty clear he was going to main event that show on Sunday. I mean, I'm not even really sure what they would have main event instead. It's not like Adam Cole and MJF, whoever they're facing for the Ring of Honor tag titles, will found will find out on Rampage on Friday. More on that later, but you know, it's not like they're main eventing. They have no world championship match. The whole CM Punk real world championship gimmick was probably going to culminate, not culminate, but was going to continue on Sunday with the uh, Ricky Stark strap match. I mean, it seemed pretty obvious. I saw Tony Khan say on Twitter last night that he was challenging Ricky was Ricky Steamboat to a strap match. I mean, this is what they're doing now. They're going to pull poor old Steamboat out of retirement. The man's like 60 something years old, maybe 70 something. I'm not sure. Um, to do a strap, I know he, I know he took the bumps, but it's like Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what, what, this is what it's coming to. This is what they're gonna have to do. That's just insane. 
They're in Chicago. They're not going to have their own Chicago boy on the show. And it would be, listen, they've had all-out shows before without CM Punk. I get it. But he's been back now for months. He's had a pretty good run. The match with Joe was a lot of fun. And it's his own fault, too. But, I mean, Jack Perry talking shit on the show. I know Punk, it seems like he can dish it but not take it. Because, I mean, we talked about it, I think, at the time. Or at least I did. The Adam Page stuff. I mean, he went on the collision a couple of weeks ago after the show. And he was, like, calling out Adam Page. It's like, if this isn't going anywhere, I'm not really sure why you're doing that. It just seems very stupid to me. But then Jack Perry has to go and exaggerate. Not exaggerate, but it has to go aggravate CM Punk. They get into it. Pretty fucking dumb. They're both suspended. Jack Perry suspended, not a big deal. Punk being suspended, big deal. Big problem. Unless this gets wrapped up before Sunday, this is an issue. Um, And now Punk is off all out. And he may not be... uh, We don't know. Do you think he might be done with AEW after this, stemming from all the reports of everything that's happened, him chewing out Tony Khan? I don't know. The way I read that Tony Khan story with the way it, it said that he... Not chewed out Tony Khan, but they got into an intense altercation and then Punk threatened to quit... Again, maybe I, I wasn't there. Maybe I'm misreading it. It sounded like Punk just kind of went rip shit on Tony Khan and then walked out. It does not sound like Tony Khan really even stood up for himself and it was an even back and forth argument. It sounds like Punk just kind of tore him a new one and then walked away, which makes Tony Khan look like a complete fucking idiot. Um, it's just the whole thing is embarrassing. No, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, Tony, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, this is Tony, it's, the, pro, the thing is at the end of the day, this is Tony Khan's problem that he has not fixed since brawl out. Like, the fact that it even got to that point is embarrassing. And now, like, this stuff came up, the Andrade and Sammy stuff. Like, there's been stuff going on for years of guys in the back not getting along. And instead of actually saying, hey, I'm the boss, I'm, like, you guys need to figure the fuck out or you're going to get fired or something. Nope, we're going to create a new show so you guys can do that. Like, that's <laughs> the biggest problem. Like, I just, I, he needs to be a boss at the end of the day or be, do something, like, the fact that this shit's going on is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not like they've really... It, I don't know, again, I don't work there, I haven't seen it, but it doesn't seem like they sit these people down and have them work out their issues. If the Bucks were just talent, I'd get it. Like, maybe they don't want to deal with it, but they're fucking EVPs. I mean, they need to sit in the same room with CM Punk. You don't need to accept his apology, but you need to at least hear him out. And then they work nothing... They haven't even talked to the guy, apparently. That hasn't helped. And then the Jack Perry thing, again, They it seemed like they had a minor disagreement about a month ago, okay, that's normal. How the fuck did it escalate to this point where they're having a brawl backstage moments before Punk goes out for his match? I mean, how does that even happen? Or they brawl over to Gorilla, which is not what they call it there, but that's what it is. And then monitors are falling on top of Tony Khan. I mean, how do you not fire both guys on the spot? I mean, that sounds pretty extreme, and WWE's had far worse that nothing like that has happened, but you need to send a message, and there really hasn't, they really haven't set a precedent with this sort of stuff. They either just kind of move on from it and it's preferential treatment with CM Punk, or they just kind of forget about it and hope everyone kind of gets over on it, get, gets over it on their own, which has not helped at all, you know. No, yeah, it's yeah, I mean, you need, then something needs to change. The guy needs to be a boss and fucking get rid of Punk. And I love Punk. Listen, I think he's been a big asset to the company in a lot of ways. The company will not crumble without him. Collision might, but you know, the company itself won't, because uh, Collision's kind of built around him. But, I mean, listen, I mean, suspending is one thing, but they suspended him last year and he was, came back and started starting shit up again, whether it was his fault or not. I mean, this is just ridiculous at this point, so, I don't know, just stupid. Uh, speaking of All In, though, well, not go match by match, that would take forever, but you said it was a good show. Just kind of give me your uh, highlights, what you didn't like so much about it, and just what you enjoyed about All In on Sunday. Like I said, the highest attended event 
of all time in wrestling history for paid attendance, apparently. Over 80,000 people. Had a great atmosphere. Uh, that was probably the best part of the show. Not a super storyline significant show. I don't think there's any one match that will stand out as being the greatest match in AEW history, which at least one of the, every one of these shows has at least one standout exceptional match. This show did not, though I did love the MJF and Adam Cole stuff. It was overbooked as shit, a lot of smoke and mirrors, but I think that's what the storyline's kind of about, so I'm not really complaining. It kind of worked for me. Uh, but the overall show I thought was a lot of fun, and I thought everyone did a uh, great job of making it a, a clean, crisp, four-hour show, and felt like one of the better-paced AEW pay-per-views they've ever done. Yeah, I thought it was a good show. Like I said, I think one of the problems I had with it, kind of top-heavy the show, like you start with Punk and Joe... Um, which was good, and then you had the six man with the with the Bullet Club Gold and like Kangman, uh, Kota Ibushi and, and Omega. Then that was right into the tag team match with Bucks and FTR. So I thought it was a good show, but I feel like the middle kind of just dragged. And like I said, I feel like they just top heavy the show. So like right after the tag, we had like Stadium Stampede that literally no one gave two fucks about. Then you had the women's four way, um, then the coffin match, and then led into. I might have missed something. Oh, then the six, uh, the trios match, um, which yep. then led into the main event. So I thought it was a, it was definitely top heavy. Um, the middle of the show for me, I felt like dragged. I mean, I could care less about the stadium stampede match, Paige winning. LOL. I mean, I I guess because it's in her hometown, but literally, I don't think anyone really wanted her to win, nor should she have won. She doesn't even wrestle regularly. Um. Like, the coffin match was there. The six, I mean, the, the acclaimed, I mean, come on. I'm so over the scissoring thing. I, I feel like it's just, it's it's just, for me, it's just done. I thought the main event was good, like you said, overbooked, but I thought it was well. Um, thought Punk and Joe was good. I thought FTR and Bucks was, like, okay. I think it was one of their, probably their, my least favorite of the match they've had so far. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was completely overbooked, like you said, too, like, it was one of those things I was waiting for someone just to win by a roll-up. Like, they hit every move ever invented and couldn't beat them. I'm like, if they if this ends with a roll-up, I'm literally going like, <laughs> to... Well, it didn't, though. my computer. Like, they hit every... Like, I was waiting for the bazooka to come out. Like, that's the one thing with the Bucks matches. Like, they kick out of legitimately everything. It's like... I mean... It pr- more about the... Yeah. Like, I, it, I feel like it's just people like to see the moves, but it's like, I don't like... Things that don't make sense, I'm just like, what are we doing here? For that match, I was okay with it. I would normally agree with you. For that match, I was okay with it because it was such a big show on a big stage and they wanted to go all out, no pun intended. Um, I was fine with it there. I mean, when you talk about, you know, I tweeted this last night, late last night, but when you talk about fucking three Canadian destroyers in a row during Orange Cassidy versus uh, Penta last night and they no-sell all three of them, that's where I have a problem. I mean, tell me, you, did you see that shit last night? I, I didn't see it. I saw your tweet and just laughed out loud. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like I said, they do it all the time. It's like they hit him with a shadow machine, like three other moves, and then fucking Matt Jackson, who's 160 pounds, kicks out. I, I he's agree. kicking out. What's fucking Wardlow going to do? I, I understand. I agree with that, but I'm just saying it's like it was it – was, the Canadian Destroyer thing bothered me more. I know the shirt, the, the match has been – the match, the, the move has been a bastardized in the last five years. I get that. He hit the move. At least in the FTR match, they were selling the shit. I mean, and FTR isn't stupid. I mean, they're they're pretty stringent on that sort of stuff. The Canadian Destroyer, he hit it. They hit three of them con- consecutively on each other. And they just got right back up. And then, like, they hit each other with a clothesline and they fell over. I thought that was one. I almost turned off the show after that. 
It was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. That has nothing to do with all of them, but I had to mention that because it was, it was, I was flabbergasted. Like, they have so many brilliant minds that work for that company, specifically as agents. Not one of them said, hey, pal, you probably shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Stupid. That was dumb. Anyway, um, I thought the show was great. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Didn't really set anything forward. I mean, it was kind of like a, you know, a feel-good show. Didn't really leave me looking forward to All Out at all, I'll tell you that much, aside from the MJF and Adam Cole thing, but it's not like we're getting a rematch of them on Sunday. So, didn't really move anything forward, but, you know, that was one nitpick, I suppose. Yeah, um, I felt like like those shows they had before the company was, like, a thing. It was, yeah, like, double yeah. or nothing. Like, it was a good show. Nothing really progressed, like, storyline-wise, but, like, they had good matches. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, you mentioned Soraya winning the AEW Women's World Championship. I thought it was a great moment because she's in her home country and she hasn't, you know, she had to retire. She got a belt, like, cool. Uh, you know, long term, though, I don't need to see her champion for more than a couple of weeks. I think it's pretty likely she loses the championship at All Out on Sunday, assuming they do a match with her. I mean, they have they already have Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho. I, I don't think I don't think Soraya is long for that championship, and I don't think she should be. No, I agree. I, I mean, I didn't think she should have. I mean, I guess if you want to, like you said, I guess if you want to do like the hometown thing, I guess. But I just feel like if she just hold it just to drop it, I mean, I feel bad for Sheeta at that point. You need to do, I mean, I, I thought it made for a great moment. The Sheeta moment, too, when she won the championship for the first time in front of fans. Because the first time she won it, it wasn't in front of anyone. Uh, at least any actual fans. You know, it was a cool moment. But we can't just be booking this hot potato shit with the women's title just for moments. I mean, the Sheeta one was a moment. She was champion for literally two or three weeks. I mean, you can't, why, why even take the belt off of Tony Storm at that point? Soraya pinned Tony to win the championship on Sunday. So why not just keep the belt on her? Because they wanted to give Sheeta a moment. I mean, that was kind of dumb. And then Soraya, again, it was a cool moment, which is more, impo- more important than the Sheeta moment because, again, it's a big pay-per-view, cool. I, I don't know. I just uh, Did they put the belt right back on Brett Baker or someone like that? I suppose so. Um, I don't know. I just I thought it was cool. I wasn't upset that she won, but I'm just thinking, why did they take the belt off of Tony in the first place if they were going to break apart? Hey, listen, at least the Outcast are going to be on the brink of collapse. That's my only positive here. The biggest positive is that the Outcast seem to be over, um, long overdue. The group sucks, and they can finally move on. I like what Tony Storm's doing right now, like the Maryland Monroe thing. I think that's awesome, actually. Uh, the, the Outcast shit itself is just stupid, so I'm glad they're moving on. Uh, we also had Will Ospreay and Jericho. You forgot to mention that one. Any oh, thoughts yeah, on that match? That. that was a good match. Probably Jericho, one of Jericho's better matches had in a while. Yeah, and it uh, wasn't like 30 minutes. I forgot huh? about that. My bad. Yeah, no, that was a good one too. So I thought they did a nice job of uh, pacing the show with stuff like that. I like the coffin match. Um, they, they got Queen there for the Soraya entrance for the song We Will Rock You. They had Seek and Destroy by Metallica for the Sting entrance. I thought that was cool. Um, what was the other thing I was going to bring up? The, the main event itself... I thought there was another... The six-man tag team stuff was just... It ended predictably. I mean, it was exactly what I thought it would be, but it was still pretty still pretty dumb. Um, I guess I'll mention this before we get to the main event, but we also had an appearance from Mercedes Monet uh, appearing in the crowd on the pre-show during Zero Hour and during the main show itself. No, she is not signed. No, I don't think she will sign. No, I don't think she needs to sign. I said this from the moment she left WWE. I think it'd be cool if she made appearances for AEW... Uh, listen, I don't, she is not going to save this AW women's division. It doesn't, honestly, it does not matter who you sign. Because we had this conversation a year ago. How is Soraya going to impact the women's division? Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet is better than Soraya at this current stage. I and mean, that's not even a question. 
but it, it didn't really accomplish anything. Soraya's just another person on that roster at that point, even despite being champion now. I mean, not that Mercedes Monet would become another person, but I feel like she can benefit from just being a free agent, working Japan, working AEW, working wherever she wants, and not doing the shit with, um, you know, not just signing exclusively with AEW. I thought it was cool that she popped up. She was a big name, and people weren't expecting her to be there. I think she was already in London, so people may- I wasn't completely shocked, but it was still cool to see. And when she's clear to compete again from recurring injury, maybe she'll pop up, so... Uh, your thoughts on the potential of Mercedes Monet coming on in the AEW to do a couple matches, it seems. Exactly what you said. Coming for a couple matches, you can't save this women's division. Do not sign here. It's the booking problem at the end of the day, I think. No, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's been like, they had, well, they have 10 matches on the show. The women got eight minutes and a forgettable match and a four-way that no, no one really wanted to see. I mean, it's like just it's a four way. I mean, it's not like there really was anything there. Like, you had people that were like associated with each other against each other. It wasn't like this hard, good built story. I mean, it's just it was it, the only match. Oh, yeah, it was the only match on the main card that was under ten minutes. And the other, and I mean, the other match was close ten minutes was the acclaimed six way that no one cared about anyway. Yeah. So, and it was in the death slot too, right after the fucking stadium stampede. So, that's what they think about the women's division. Yeah. No, it got under 10 minutes, and it was the only women's match in the entire show, so. And I thought it was fine, but, I don't know. They need to do a better job with this stuff. It just doesn't feel important at all. Um, Main event, though, MJF and Adam Cole, I thought they had a really good match. Um, I thought the match they had on Dynamite was a better wrestling match, but, it was. listen, I think this MJF-Adam Cole thing is the best thing they have going in AEW right now. And the question coming into the show, which we talked about last week, what would MJF and Adam Cole do? What would happen here Who's going to turn heel, if anyone? Who wins? Is there a big moment? Is there a big swerve, a big angle? We got none of that, actually. Um, MJF beat Adam Cole clean. He did not cheat. He pulled out the ring. It seemed like Adam Cole was going to cheat. Roderick was kind of egging him on. I thought we might get the big turn. I actually don't mind with what they did instead. I still say Adam Cole should turn heel on MJF, You know, especially after the face-off that Adam Cole had with the Kingdom and Roderick Strong last night on Dynamite. But I think it just makes sense for Adam Cole to turn heel because, again, it seemed like they're going to tell the story that he had the match won. Had he cheated, he would have won the championship. But because he didn't and he stuck true to his values of like, oh, I don't want to cheat or whatever, um, he ended up losing because of that. And he acted completely dejected afterwards. So um, I I think that's where they might be going with this. I don't want to get my hopes up. MJF turning on Cole to make Cole look like an idiot, I think, uh, because it's happened so many times. Can't trust the devil, blah, blah, blah. But, um... Yeah, I, I I don't know. I really liked the match. I thought it was well-wrestled, and the crowd was into everything they did. Again, the double clothesline thing, it ends in a draw. That match, was it was never going to end like that. Um, it was very overbooked, but it ended up being the best thing, I think, on the entire show. Yeah, the match was good. Like you said, I think their match on Dynamite was better. I think this is more like the drama-filled match. I think the match on, on Dynamite was more a better wrestling yeah, match. I agree, yeah. That makes sense. Like you said, like, oh, he's going to tease him with the ring, or he's going to tease him with the belt, or... They did the chair spot, like they threw the chair back and forth. The MJF did like the uh, Eddie Guerrero put around his neck and shit. Yeah. Um, the double close, like I said, at first I literally like almost shot my computer when they did the double draw. I'm like, they do a fucking draw. A sh- they do it all the time. They're like, they do the draw and then they restart the match. So at this point, I don't even know why people even fall for it. I mm-hmm. fell for it. I was so mad. <laughs> um, but then obviously they restarted the match. I like. I don't love losing on a schoolboy. Like I said, I just feel like every match ends with like a guy getting decapitated. Um, to, you basically need to kill someone to win, and then you win on a schoolboy. I hate. I, I don't love that finish, but like I said, I guess like Adam Cole was like 
he had the story there, like he was like, oh, do I hit him with the ring or I don't? Then he, or the belt, he was using a foreign object, can't remember which one it was, but then he like thought against it and that's when he got schoolboy. So I, I get it, like there was a story there. Like I said, I still don't overly love the finish, but uh, MGF winning, I feel like was the right, right move. What you do next, I mean, I want MGF to be a heel. I, I don't love him as a babyface. I think like, the over-the-top babyface MGF for me specifically, I don't love it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's not him, and I don't. I like I like the prick MGF, so give me more of that. Um, but it, I mean, I guess it's kind of interesting because it's like if his deal's technically still done at the end of the year, I feel like we really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, theoretically, the belt would have to come off him sooner rather than later. I think they are doing a tournament to find out who's facing a grand slam i yes. thought i saw that yes so i mean i think you're gonna if you if it's still up in there you would take the belt off him sooner rather than later i just i mean he beat mj he beat cole twice i don't think it'd really be him i just i i don't know what you do with mgf i don't love him as a baby face i'd rather him be heel but i mean i feel like like you said i think if he is leaving it'd make more sense for or there's some kind of question on that i think Cole going heel with the kingdom wouldn't make more sense as a booking standpoint. Yeah, and whatever happens with this tournament, it's not going to be over at Grand Slam. I mean, Cole and MJF, we will get a rematch at some point. There seems like they're going to drag it out even further until full gear. I thought we might get the rematch on Sunday. Not opposed to the idea of them not doing it Sunday. It's their hottest thing going. And again, they can't drag it out for three years. It's not the bloodline, but um, they, they. I mean, it's the bloodline in the sense it's the best thing going on their show. They want to drag it out to full gear or another show and keep them buddies for right now. I'm not opposed to it. And as far as the MJF babyface thing, you're not wrong. He is better as a prick heel. Do you think there's a chance if Adam Cole turns on him, then he can be a babyface MJF is, but not the over-the-top babyface. He could just be more of an intense babyface because he had this betrayal happen to him and he has to become more serious. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, like I said, I just love him as the prick so Mm -hmm. much that I don't want him to be a babyface. But, I mean, I think... I think the problem is, like I said, he's so over-the-top babyface, it's, like, cringy bad for me. Yeah, no, I think he does that on purpose, but, uh, no, I agree. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it. it. It only has such a shelf life where I think it's going to get old at some point for me. I agree. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, they're defending the championships on Sunday, and I'll get to that in a moment, but one last thing on All In. They also announced that the very end of the show, another installment coming up in 2024, uh, Wembley, you know, Wembley Stadium All In 2, uh, do you think this could be AEW's WrestleMania? Um, it's possible. They need to book it better. I mean, it has to feel more like WrestleMania. Um, like I said, I feel like it, it was a big show, obviously. It just felt more like, like I said, the shows they had before they turned into the company. Um, but I thought it was a good show. Like I said, I just, what I don't understand is like doing this and then this week being in Chicago, like, and I saw some post Twitter like they're charging fifty bucks again for the show this week, which is definitely not worth fifty dollars. No. Um, but I mean, if they just did its own single thing, I, I think so. But I mean, I don't know if they I, I I don't know if they do it every year in in England how successful it's going to be. I don't know. It's like one of those things when you go to the same market every year. Like this year, like people can say like. They sold. They said it's the biggest tennis ever. They, this was the tennis was this before they even put a match on the card. Yeah. But like in the states, they can barely sell like four thousand tickets to our dynamite. So, I mean, I feel like it was. It's kind of weird because, like I said, it's more of like a happening than people like 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's weird to describe because it's like people literally were committed before they even knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It feels very all in the original all in. Like people wanted to support these guys, so they just bought tickets, not knowing what was going to happen. And this was like the same thing. It's like all oh, this big show we're going to have in London. No one even knew what was going to happen. They bought tickets regardless. Um, but I mean, if you go to London every year, I feel like it's going to just continue to dissipate. I don't think it'll keep getting get, gaining more viewers. So. I mean, I think it's possible. I just feel like they have to book it better. I mean, I guess if you can just sell tickets without booking a match, people just literally take anything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if WrestleMania, a week before they announced all the match, I mean, people would be fucking rip shit. And, I mean, I guess they do put the tickets on sale along in advance. Like, I think they just went on sale a week or two ago for WrestleMania. But I feel like you know, like, we know, like, where it's going. Like, we have a good sense it's going to be Roman Cody, too. Like, that's, like, a good sense that's going to happen, reg- like, bearing injuries and stuff like that so like you're kind of that's the match you're seeing that's what you think you're going for so i feel like that is like a sense but i think it can be i would just eliminate the pay-per-view the next week or do it yeah the labor day weekend no that's dumb i know they they like their tradition of it being chicago weekend i get that but uh, i I know listen i know the england fans are passionate and they'll buy tickets regardless in a hundred thousand person arena i don't know if they would do 80 again next year i think it's cool they're doing it again next year but I mean, it, I think it can be the WrestleMania to me, but they just need to announce more matches in advance and not just rely on the fact it's a spectacle like, oh, it's going to be our first England show. You can only have one first and they got it out of the way. People bought their tickets. If you like, again, the Grand Slam thing, it's our first big New York show. They sold 13,000 tickets two years ago. Two years later, 4,000 so far. I mean, again, they're going to probably sell more between now and Grand Slam in, in a couple of weeks, but 4,000? Eh, that's not good. So, I don't know. They need to work on that, and we'll find out next year. i got to let you go, Mr. Marceau. Um, I will probably, if you could, I will, I'll text you the matches. If you want to text me your predictions for payback and all out, whenever you get a chance in the next couple of hours, I'll throw them in here at the end as I uh, record those predictions. If that sounds good to you. Sounds good to me. All right, brother. Enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Right. I'll try to enjoy it. You too. <laughs> all right, brother. Sounds good. Bye, talk bro. to you soon. Bye. Now we get to our predictions for not one, but two pay-per-views coming up this weekend. WWE Payback on Saturday, AEW All Out on Sunday. Like we said earlier, doesn't exactly feel like a double pay-per-view weekend. Both the shows are sure to be enjoyable, I'm, I'm sure of that. They're bound to be very good shows, but I just don't think they're going to be overly significant. They don't feel as big as past pay-per-views this year, but listen. AEW and WWE both have put together a great year of pay-per-views. WWE specifically between the Rumble and even going back to 2022, but in 2023 alone, the Rumble, Chamber, Mania, Night of Champions even in Saudi Arabia, um, we had the Backlash show in Puerto Rico, Money in the Bank and SummerSlam, all good to great to excellent shows. AEW wasn't overly fond of Double or Nothing in May, but Forbidden, Sh- Forbidden Door, excellent show. We had um, you know Revolution back in March, excellent show. All In, a very good show last Sunday, so... I'm sure these shows should be fun. How must-see they're going to feel, I'm not sure. You know, WWE in Pittsburgh, of all cities, which isn't a bad city, but, I mean, they've been in London this year. They've been in Puerto Rico. They were in L.A. for Mania, Montreal. Not bound to be the most electric audience, but it should be a good show. And then AEW in Chicago, which is typically a loud, rowdy crowd, but they weren't overly loud on Wednesday's Dynamite. They've been in Chicago a million fucking times. No CM Punk on the card as of right now. Doesn't look like it's going to change. Um, so I'm not overly excited for these shows, but I am looking forward to them nonetheless. So we start with the AEW All Out show for Sunday first, since we were just talking about AEW a couple of moments ago with RJ. 
Um, but we start off with the AEW TBS Championship, Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho for the title. Statlander defending here. Should be a very good match. I would love to see Soho walk away as the new champion. And I was probably predicting that about a week or two ago before Soraya became champion. We have some tension within the Outcasts. Obviously, we're recording this before Collision on Saturday. Uh, they're going to be teaming in a six-woman tag team match. It seems like the Outcasts are over. I mean, Soraya pinned Tony Storm, and they had a whole falling out during the all-in four-way on Sunday. Soraya is the new women's champion. Soraya might end up defending that championship on the show. It seems like we have a full card. I know we just said with RJ, maybe she'll you know defend it and lose it on the show. Doesn't seem too likely, unless they want to add another one or two matches, which is always possible. Um, if Soraya is already champion, and that's kind of like the focal point right now, I don't see Ruby winning here, which is a shame because Ruby's gotten so many championship opportunities between WWE and AEW and has not won a single fucking one. I mean, it's probably got to be over a dozen at this point. Between the WWE Women's Tag Team title opportunities she got in WWE, she's vied for the NXT Women's Championship, the Raw Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship, AEW Women's World Championship, and the DBS title on countless occasions. Even the fucking Owen Hart Cup she lost twice. Ruby can never really seem to win whenever it matters most. I don't think this is going to be any different. I would love to see Ruby walk away as the new champion in the same, you know, on the same show in the same city where she debuted in AEW two years ago. But again, in the midst of all the outcast drama we have going on right now, I think Statlander walks away, still the TBS champion. And um, Mr. Marceau has got Statlander going over as well. I think a Willow Nightingale Statlander match might be inevitable. They've been building up a nice alliance over on Collision. That hasn't gone anywhere yet, but I'm hoping it will. So I have Statlander retaining here, and RJ texting me his predictions. He has Statlander going over as well. We don't know who Adam Cole and MJF are going to be defending the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships against. Uh, Rampage was already taped. I'm, I'm not a big spoiler guy. I haven't seen it spoiled so far on social media. I'm not looking up to see who they're going to be facing until I watch it on Rampage on Friday night. So you might know. I don't. Mr. Marceau doesn't either. Regardless of who it ends up being, we have Adam Cole and MJF going over. Still the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. They could lose on Sunday, and that's like the catalyst for their big split, which I don't think happens on Sunday. Um, I don't think they lose them this soon. I think AEW wants to get more out of their team and have them face a few different teams. Who they face, I really don't know. The Kingdom are not in the gauntlet match. Is it a gauntlet match or a battle royal? I think it's a battle royal. Who the fuck knows? Um, I don't know who's going to win it. I don't think the Kingdom are in it. The Hardys would be cool. Um, Aussie Open getting a rematch would be fine. I mean, they already had the one match, and I'm not sure why they would need to win a fucking Battle Royal to become number one contenders again. Just give them the rematch. Uh, maybe it's a new team entirely. Maybe it's the Dark Order. They picked up a win last week on Collision. Maybe that's why. I would hope not. Who gives a shit about Dark Order? Um, the Hardys would be cool. Aussie Open would be fine doesn't really matter. We still both think, Mr. Marceau and myself, MJF and Adam Cole walking out still your Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Uh, tag Team Action, Eddie Kingston, the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion and the Ring of Honor Pure Champion, Katsuyori Shibata, taking on Blackpool Combat Clubs, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta in Tag Team Action. Nothing on the line here. This is just more about furthering the feud between Eddie Kingston and Claudio. I'm glad they're not giving it away on, on such short notice for All Out. That would have been dumb. Uh, we're getting it here in a tag team match. It's very possible, and I hope they do it. They could wait till final battle, but that's like three or four months away. I would do Eddie Kingston and Claudio for the Ring of Honor World Championship at the Grand Slam show in a couple of weeks. Eddie's from New York. They'd pop big for Eddie Kingston winning his first world championship in a major promotion. Uh, that would be awesome. So I have Eddie Kingston and Claudio happening there. 
I think, I mean, Claudio and Yuta just lost it all in. They also lost in Blood and Guts. They need a victory. Um, I, I feel like if you're building to Eddie and Claudio, though, Eddie needs another win. I see him probably beating Yuta here. He already pinned Yuta on Dynamite is the issue. I don't know. I'm going to say RJ's got Kingston and Shibata going over. Does Eddie really pin Yuta again? I'm going to go off on a limb here and say Claudio and Wheeler pick up the victory. And Eddie kind of remains in chase mode. And maybe we do end up getting that match in New York, but regardless of the outcome here, it doesn't really matter. But Blackpool Combat Club has lost a lot. So I'm going to give them the win here. FTR and the Young Bucks teaming up in an eight-man tag team match. Actually, not the first time ever. They actually teamed up on at least one or two Dynamites back in 2020 during COVID before they had their match in late 2020. Uh, they're going to be taking on the entire Golden... I wrote down the Golden Elite here for some reason. All of Bullet Club Gold, a different uh, gold faction. It's going to be Jay White, Juice Robinson, and the Guns taking on FDR and the Young Bucks. Uh, RJ's got Golden Bullet Club going over here. I'm going to say the same. I think FDR and the Bucks, their feud is still going. Otherwise, why would you do this match? Uh, maybe we get a fourth match from those two teams in the near future for the ring or for the AEW rather World Tag Team titles. I'm also going to echo Mr. Marceau's uh, prediction there and say the uh, Bullet Club Gold Faction goes over. Samoa Joe defending the Ring of Honor World Television Championship against Shane Taylor. Why is this match happening on a AEW pay-per-view? I don't know. I don't want to complain too much because I've been saying in my Ring of Honor reviews for a few weeks now. I'm looking forward to this match. It should be a fun Hoss fight. And I'm glad it's getting some exposure here as opposed to like on an episode of Ring of Honor TV that barely anyone's going to see because the show's been so miserable for so many months now. Um, it feels like they're just doing this match to get it on the card because... You know, they had to pull Punk and Ricky Stark, so it's like, all right, we're down a match, let's add this match. It was going to happen at some point anyway. Um, Ring of Honor probably will not have another show until December, so fuck it, let's just do it all out. Hey, listen, you won't get any complaints out of me because it should be a fun match. We got the video package for Shane Taylor on Dynamite, whatever. Um, it looks like they really want Joe to become the longest reigning Ring of Honor World Television Champion of all time. So I think Joe wins here and uh, retains the championship. And Mr. Marceau has the same. Uh, Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Archie's got Hobbs going over. I'm going to say Miro. Hobbs, it seems like... I'm going to say we're going to get some interference from QTV. And they're going to inadvertently cost Hobbs the match. And maybe the, he turns on them afterward and he actually joins Miro and they become buddies. I'm going to say Miro wins. He's got Hobbs. Um, both guys need wins. But Miro has not been beaten yet since coming back. Hobbs has. Hobbs has been beaten quite a bit actually this year. So I'm going to say Miro wins. AEW TNT Championship, Darby Allen defending against uh, Luchasaurus, or I'm sorry, Luchasaurus, rather, defending against Darby Allen. Um, this could go either way. I'm just done with Darby in the TNT title picture. It feels weird to have Darby Allen lose to Luchasaurus, of all people, but actually, you know, I love the gimmick with Christian pretending he's champion, so I actually do not want that to be cut short. I'm going to say Luchasaurus. I also just, like I said, do not think Darby needs another run as TNT champion. RJ also is Luchasaurus going over. I'm going to say Luchasaurus too. I know Darby already went for the world championship earlier this year. Surely there's more he can do beyond fucking winning the TNT title again. I'd rather him and Sting go for the tag team titles, to be honest. Uh, if Sting really is winding down, which isn't set in stone, but I have Luchasaurus going over here. I kind of hope he wins. Mr. Marceau also has Luchasaurus going over. Kenny Omega and Kanosuke Takeshka. Um, Mr. Marceau's got Takeshka. I think the feud's over. The feud has not been remotely as interesting as I thought it would be because they really have not made Kanosuke the um, focal point as they should have. It's really more about Omega and Don Callis. I'm going to have Omega go over here. Omega's lost a lot of big singles matches this year. Don Callis has said that. 
And I think they're mentioning that because Omega's finally going to get one over on Takeshka here. So I think Omega wins. I would love to see Kanosuke win, but I just don't think they're going in that direction. I think he's really just someone for Omega to beat. He already pinned Omega in that six-man tag team match last week. For him to get some maximum amount of heat, for him to beat Omega here again would be great. I don't see that happening. Uh, they could have him win and then build to a rematch at Grand Slam where Omega finally picks up the victory and then goes after Callus. Um, I'm going to say Omega. I think Omega's lost a lot this year. It really doesn't matter to me who wins, but I think they're going to have Omega pick up the victory. And then honestly, I have this on last because I think this might be the main event. I don't think Omega and Kanosuke feels main event worthy. It's just not a hot program. Um, I, I really don't know what else you have closed the show. They don't have a world championship match in the show. I mean, we heard Ricky Starks and we, we saw a Tony Khan tweet. Ricky Starks is challenging Ricky, uh, Ricky Steamboat to a strap match at this pay-per-view. Okay, um, I have Starks winning if so, which is, I don't know why they would put Steamboat in the ring, but maybe it's a street fight. I, I don't know, because Punk seems like it's a, he's suspended, so that's just not going to happen. Uh, the Adam Cole MGF Ring of Honor tag team match, I guess, could main event. That just seems odd. I think Orange Cassidy and John Moxley, they're treating this match like the main event of the show at this point, especially now knowing Punk will not be on this card. It seems like this might be the new main event. And Orange Cassidy, I honestly can't complain. He's had such a great run. I can't. I, I can't argue with that. I think having this close the show might not be the worst thing. Uh, I'm going to say John Moxley becomes the new champion. It feels like a big enough moment. This is it. Cassidy has run through like 30 different people as champion. Won multi-man matches, singles matches, triple threats, battle royals, everything you could possibly imagine. And he's won every single time. Um, I think he wins here. I think he... Uh, Moxley, that is. I think Moxley wins here. I think he finally becomes champion. Orange Cassidy's run is indeed over. And we have a new AEW International Champion. RJ's Orange Cassidy retaining. So, uh, not that we disagreed, but he has some different predictions than I do. So, it's going to be interesting to see how those play out on Sunday. WWE Payback on Saturday. Let's go back 24 hours here to uh, 24 hours earlier to WWE Payback. We have the Grayson Waller effect with Cody Rhodes. That's going to be on the show. Cody Rhodes not wrestling his first pay-per-view since... I think Elimination Chamber has been on every card since Mania. Uh, he will be on this card, just not wrestling. I don't think it's anything really significant. I don't think he goes out there and calls out, like, we already had him and Brock. Maybe he makes it known that he wants to challenge the winner of Rollins and Nakamura at the next show or at Survivor Series or something. Uh, we kind of already had that teased on Raw a couple of weeks ago, so it doesn't really feel like it would be a special thing if he had it, if he said it here. I think this is just more about having Cody Rhodes get one over on Grayson Waller, setting up a match for Raw or SmackDown next week, just to keep Cody busy for a little bit longer until Rollins is done with Nakamura. Um, the first match in the show, LA Knight and Miz, sounds like a great opener to me, if you had that open the show. Um, I think LA Knight should win here. I think he will win here. RJ agrees. Um, he's been on a roll. They're giving him consistent television time. He's incredibly over. People love him. It makes sense. Um, just have him go over, dispose of the Miz. They can kind of continue the feud if they want to, but this feels like a payback match to kind of give Knight payback on Miz, and then they can move on from there. Uh, Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley defending against Raquel Rodriguez. I have Ripley. RJ does as well. Um, too soon to have Ripley lose the championship. She has been champion for five months by, like, the time payback happens. But I think it's more accurate to say that it's too soon for Raquel to become champion. She's just not ready yet. The feud's been fine. She's not overly interesting yet. I would have Rhea Ripley uh, retain the championship here and maintain the women's world title. United States Championship, RJ and I both have Rey Mysterio winning. Could you have Theory get the belt back by having Santos turn on Rey? It feels too soon for that. I thought they might do that a couple of weeks ago. They didn't. feels like they're really dragging it out and making that the long-term story. 
Um, I don't think that happens here. I think they might save that for down the road. I don't think, more importantly, Theory needs that fucking title that did more damage than anything towards the end of his run. He needs to absolutely move on from the United States Championship. What he does next, I don't know, but it should not involve the U.S. title. So I have Rey Mysterio retaining, as does RJ. Undisputed WWE Tag Team titles on the line in a Steel City Street Fight is what they're calling it. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Um, this could, this is probably the most unpredictable match in the show. Both RJ and I have, uh, Owens and Zayn going over and retaining the belts, Balor and Priest. It's probably more about their tension. Uh, Priest hopefully attempting to cash in soon, maybe even successfully cashing in soon. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think this might be used more as a vehicle to kind of further that tension. Hopefully Owens and Zayn can win and then they move on to other challengers. There's plenty of other teams on Raw and SmackDown they have not yet faced. So I would not take the belts off of them here. It's not necessary. Uh, Balor and Priest do not need to be tag team champions. I wouldn't be upset if they were, but it's probably time to move on. So I'm going to say Owens and Zayn still your tag team champions. RJ agrees. Uh, Steel Cage match. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus settling their score here. Becky Lynch is probably the most favored person on this entire show. There's no way Trish wins. She won the first match. They've had a couple of matches since then. Uh, Becky has not gotten one decisive win over Trish yet one-on-one. I think it happens here in the Steel Cage match, and they finally end the feud, thank God. RJ agrees. And then in the main event for the World WWE Championship, Seth Rollins taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. Both of us, we agree on every prediction on the show. We both have Rollins retaining the World WWE Championship. The feud's exceeded my expectations. Nakamura has been presented surprisingly really well as a heel. He's come off great in those video packages and the vignettes and whatever, which is awesome. Still doesn't feel like a big threat. He feels more like a filler feud for Rollins before Rollins gets to Rhodes at some point soon. So I've got Rollins retaining, as does RJ. Uh, maybe they do a rematch at Fastlane. Very possible. Might It might just be a, a two-program, a two-pay-per-view program, as opposed to a one-pay-per-view program. Either way, I think we, th- we both see Rollins walking out, still the World Heavyweight Champion with Cody Rhodes on the horizon. And uh, we'll see where they go from there. And that's WWE Payback on... Saturday, all out on Sunday. Uh, both shows should be fun, like I said. They both kind of feel like glorified Dynamites and Raws and Smackdowns, but it's a pay-per-view weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. Always a busy weekend. This weekend will be no exception. Uh, my reviews of both shows should be up in written form over on WrestleRant.com soon after, hopefully. It's going to be a busy weekend, but they should be up at some point. Still catching up on the reviews from last weekend from the Impact and NWA pay-per-views. I just put up my all-in review on WrestleRant.com on Wednesday, so check that out when you get a chance. Um, but regardless, Mr. Marceau and I will be breaking it down in audio form here on WrestleRant Radio next week. A lot to discuss from All Out and Payback on WrestleRant Radio a week from today. New episodes every single week here, typically on Thursdays, on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, no more Stitcher. Stitcher, I think, as of today or yesterday, is officially dead I think the Stitcher app is gone, or they might still be active, but they're no longer updating it, so no more shows on Stitcher. I have to get in the habit of not staying Stitcher anymore, but iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, Amazon Music, plenty of platforms to check out the show on. Uh, Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single week. WrestleRant Radio. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have an awesome Labor Day weekend. For Mr. Marceau, I'm Graham G.S. and Matthews, and we'll catch your ass down the road. We'll be right back.